Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hi, I'm Robin Colucci, and welcome to the Author's Corner. Today, I'm especially excited to introduce to you Mike Michalowicz. Mike had founded and sold two multi-million dollar companies by his 35th birthday. And confident that he had the formula to success, he became a small business angel investor and proceeded to lose his entire fortune. This kicked off a quest for Mike that led him to write one of my favorite books, Profit First, which is used by hundreds of thousands of companies, including mine, across the globe to drive profit. He is the creator of Clockwork, a powerful method to make any business run on autopilot. And his latest and arguably most impactful discovery is Fix This Next. In his book, Fix This Next, Mike details the strategy businesses can use to determine what to do in what order to ensure healthy, fast, and permanent growth and avoid debilitating distractions. And we talk today about Mike's journey to becoming an author, and how he, and the many different ways that he has utilized being an author for greater success in his own business and experience. And one of the things that's really interesting about Mike is he is both a self-published and traditionally published author. So he shares a little bit about his journey of how that unfolded. And he also shares some great ideas on how to maximize your book sales, as well as maximize your profits as a result of having a book. So I invite you to sit back, tune in, and enjoy. So Mike, welcome to the Author's Corner. It's a joy to be with you, Robin. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so thrilled to have you here. You know, um, I meet a lot of amazing people and work with a lot of amazing people, but I have to tell you, Mike, I'm having a little bit of a fangirl moment here. <laughs> really? Well, that's, kind, that's very kind. Yeah, there you go. That's super kind of you. You know, your book, Profit First, was referred to me by a colleague. Yeah. And I've probably, I don't even know, sent dozens of people to get your book. Thank you. It, it's become an integral part of how we operate my business and literally life-changing. So I'm just thrilled to have you. Well, I'm honored to hear what you've done with it. Congratulations on the implementation. And thank you so much for those kind words. It touches me. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And thank you. So um, let's jump right in. You know, yeah. there's many aspects of your journey that I know will be really interesting to our listeners. But what I first wanted to ask you about is, you know, your author's journey in particular, because you've done something that a lot of authors ask me about, which is starting out with a self-published work yeah. and then transitioning into traditional publishing. So could yeah. you share with us a little bit about what that looked like for you? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of self-publishing. And it's interesting how kind of history repeats itself. I didn't realize like Benjamin Franklin, he self-published his books and I'm happy to see the resurgence of it. 
my first book was self-published. It was called The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur because I knew nothing about authorship at that time. I thought it was a the only way was through traditional publishing. And so I approached some traditional publishers and got laughed out of the room, basically, without the laughter, at least not to my face, maybe behind the scenes, in that, you know, publishers in the traditional format are looking for platform. You know, do you have a lot of folks that you have access to that at a snap of your fingers will buy your books? They're looking for a extraordinary story. You know, did you land a plane on the Hudson River? You might get a book from that. They're looking for accreditation or, you know, do you have every degree Harvard's ever offered? So they're looking for certain elements and I didn't have any of those. So I was forced into the self-publishing platform. But the interesting thing about self-publishing is the degree of control I had. I could write what I want, how I wanted. I could sell it at the price I wanted. I could market it the way I wanted. I could run discounts or do promotions, anything I wanted with pricing and stuff. And uh, back then, I know it's changed a little bit, but Amazon has this thing called Amazon Advantage, which I don't think still exists, but it was a platform where I could actually print my books at a printer of my choosing, stock out the Amazon warehouses and sell them through that. The interesting thing is, well, when I first launched my book, this is how clueless I was. I bought with my very last penny, 20,000 print hardcore copies of my book (laughs) because I was like, oh, I'll probably sell those the first week. So I need to have enough. Um, oh, the, yeah. first, the first day of my launch, I sold zero. And this is a drive home the impact of zero. My own mother did not buy a book that day. So it was trial by fire. But what was interesting is when you know, garage and every room in your house, including your bed platform has been replaced by books, the necessity to sell them. So right. I started to hustle in ways like I never have before. I did very guerrilla tactics to promote it. Well, sure enough, over time, I've moved my first 10,000 units. That's significant because to a traditional publisher, if you can move 10,000 books, particularly within a year's time frame, that's atypical. That's palatable. They want to buy that. And it went on to be 20,000. Ultimately, I've sold over 100,000 copies of The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur Kindle, not just the print platform, audio is big. And then my publisher, who they are today, it's Penguin. Penguin approached me. One of the editors approached me and said, uh, we've been tracking on BookScan. You came to us a year ago and your books sound pretty well. You want to do your next book with us? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And I've been with a traditional publisher almost ever since. I've actually done some more self-publishing and I plan to actually in 2021, this year, to do another self-published book. But most of my books now are through Penguin. Yeah, that's great. And something I noticed is like, it looks like you've continued to carry the toilet paper entrepreneur in your self-published catalog. Yep. Still sells today. It's steady Eddie. You know, that book is I think 12 years old. Every month it brings in $2,000 of royalties, which- That's pretty good for book sales. (laughs) It's good. And you know, it's, to me, it's the ultimate backlist. I don't have anything. I don't promote it. Nothing. It's just part of my catalog now, Yeah. which you know this, but being an author, at least in the nonfiction space, the bigger your catalog, the books support each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, my breakthrough book in popularity is Profit First. But when that started hitting, all my books elevated up. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, speaking of Profit First, as you, which you know, I'm a big fan. But I want to have you explain to our listeners, because another thing that comes up a lot, and I'm often explaining to others about how, you know, book sales is cool, but there's a much bigger opportunity in terms of being a profitable author. Sure. And you know, what does it look like to really 
profit first as yeah. an author? Like what would be some of the advice that you would give to authors who are looking at how can I really optimize my returns on having a book? Yeah. So what I did was I first committed to myself that if only I sold books, that it would be able to support a lifestyle that I define as comfortable. I really put an effort into that. And there's two ways to do that. One is write an extraordinary book. And that's so obvious, yet it's skipped by some authors. They write a book that's really a sales gimmick or something to promote, but it's not extraordinary. And therefore it doesn't get word of mouth. Most books sell when a colleague, like you explained, shares this and says, you got to read this book. That is the best marketing. So write an extraordinary book and then hustle hard, promote it in ways that will get it recognition and get that momentum going. So that was step one. And behind it though, once there's a book out there, there are ways to further monetize it. So the obvious things are like, you can make a class out of it. And it's still confounding how people ascribe value to stuff. You know, a book, it's hard to sell for more than $25, maybe 30 if you're lucky. You can say exactly what's in the book in a grainy video with horrible editing and complete that whole course within a day and sell the exact same content in a course, a video course, for like $200 or $300. Easily, right? <laughs> confounding because it's, it's the exact same thing. But that's how people ascribe value. So mm -hmm. to monetize it further, there is a portion of readers that will absolutely consume a course work. I also then started up a membership program. So Prop First is a methodology. There is a community that wants to leverage this methodology to enhance their own business. It's accountants, bookkeepers, coaches. Mm -hmm. So I started a program for them where they could get certified in this methodology. And to me, it's almost like a franchise model. Like McDonald's is a franchise. And every time McDonald's opens another store, the fact that there's more awareness about McDonald's allows the other stores to get more recognition. And you drive down a highway, you see 15 McDonald's. They're all basically advertising for each other. So they all get elevated. Yeah. Well, same thing with Prop First. As more accountants and bookkeepers became certified in this, they were promoting it more, which then encouraged more accountants and bookkeepers to get certified, which promoted it more. And the book sales have continued to rise. And the last thing I do, which I don't know many authors that do this, but it's really a great monetization opportunity is licensing. Actually, it's two things, licensing and sponsorships. Licensing is where I go to a organization and say, do you want to buy the rights to teach this? Oh. Similar to that membership model with accounts and bookkeepers, I go to a single company and say, you can license this to teach it internally. I think a large corporation may yeah. buy that or something. Yeah. And sponsorships is another thing where a company may want exposure to your community, but really doesn't have a gateway to get there. You know, I'll pick on American Express, mega corporation, they sell services to small business, but the fact that they themselves are not a small business, there's a disconnect. So they want then the author and the brands around the author, like Profit First, their books, to be kind of the spokesperson. So it's not Amex pitching their new credit card. Amex's new credit card is Profit First certified or something like that. And they pay for that sponsorship. Those are all ways to monetize you know, a book. Brilliant. The sponsorship one I hadn't heard before. That is a new one. That's really interesting. It's, so here's a hack. So this was unbelievable. I go to a speaking event and there's, it's a big event. Most speaking events for me is maybe two or 300 people. This was a couple thousand people. And it was all computer folks, uh, computer technologists. This one company that sells phones wanted to get in front of all these computer companies, but they weren't really ready to get a booth and do all that stuff. They said, what if we bought a book for every guest there? And so they bought, which was a big investment, you know, a thousand or 1500 books. But 
first of all, the, the host was thrilled because now they have books to give away. But the sponsors, the company was called Nextiva. They put a sticker on every single book and said, enjoy this book as a gift from Nextiva. Now what happens is everyone gets a free book. Books are better than catalogs. They sit on shelves forever. Maybe yeah. someone's not going to read the book, but it's going to be sitting there. You know, Everyone's got their book display. Now Nextiva, the sponsor had their sticker prominently positioned there. And sure enough, they got some immediate business, but they also got business months and sometimes years later because someone pulled out that book and said, oh yeah, I remember that company. So it was a cool way to sponsor. Yeah. And that is so true because books, I've said this to people many times, a book lives in that person's house. So people say to me, like, should I have a free ebook download as an opt-in gift? I'm like, no, send them a free booklet, send them something that they can get in the mail because it will be sitting there reminding them of you every day. Coca-Cola can't get that on a Super Bowl ad, you know, spending $30 million. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Right. It's right. I look at all these promotional items I get, like the mug with someone's logo. Here's the sunglasses that came in today from someone with their logo. (laughs) Everyone sends their stuff, but it's all disposable. The one thing I don't ever throw out is a book. And I don't know if it's part of the human psyche, but I can't throw it out. It's, It's like throwing out knowledge and therefore it sits and I look at it regularly. Yeah. And there it is. Oh yeah, I meant to call that person. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I meant to call that person. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's brilliant. All right. So the next thing I want to talk with you about is because this is another question I get a lot about, yeah. you know, people aren't really sure when is the right time to make that move into authorship. And I was thinking about your book, Fix This Next. Yeah. And how, you know, it, there seems to be very clearly, you know, you've outlined some ideas around like when is the right timing to focus yeah, on timing. things. Yeah. So I'd love to hear your point of view on when is the right timing for someone to focus on putting out their first book? Yeah. Taking that on. I can say this, that the world is starving for good books from authors. There's not enough good books out there. Now, here's what's interesting. A news release I just saw, I think it was on BBC, that announced that the COVID pandemic, 2021, saw an uptick of book consumption by I think 25 or 30%. People are reading more than ever in traditional formats, print formats, Kindle and Audible too, for sure, but print exploded. There are more books released currently this time than there ever has been historically because they're so cheap and easy to do. So the world isn't starving for just more books, but this world is starving for good books. I think the process of creating a good book is a long process. For me, it's literally years. Now, not years of writing, years of research. So my newest book coming out has been in the works for 10 years, research, testing, and so forth. It's been a year and a half of earnest writing and consolidating and stuff. So my argument is if someone wants to be an author, start now. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're in the throes of writing chapter by chapter and trying to move it on to production. It may be in the research phase. It may be testing out ideas with other people. I'm a nonfiction guy in, in the fiction space. Maybe it is getting right into the throes of building the story outline and character development and so forth. But you got to start now. I think the mistake is thinking that a great book can be produced in a couple of days. You know, I, there's programs say, you know, 30 days and have your book. Yeah. To me, it sounds like there's some shortcuts there. And if that hits, if a book like that's successful, it's probably lightning in a bottle. And that's just my opinion. Yeah, I yeah. think a good book is a lot of writing for the trash. Uh, at least that's what I do. <laughs> Yeah. I write in my most recent book, we call it kill the babies. It's the phase I hate okay. the most. Yeah. My editor comes back and says, we got to cut this down more. We're going to cut out this story. And, and at a certain point, like, no, no, please don't cut that part. It's my favorite part, <laughs> but it's got to go 
for that cohesiveness. Yeah. So a lot of the work, I'd say 50% of the writing will never see any version of light, mm-hmm. but the only way to get to the other 50% that will, I got to start writing now. Yes, exactly. Get going now. And I believe this vehemently. I write every morning. I start at 6 a.m. till 7 a.m. guaranteed every weekday morning and usually more into the day. But that period is a sacred uh, time for me where I'm always writing. And usually with other authors, we do it over Zoom. We just sit and write just to hold each other accountable. Most of that stuff is for the trash. But from there, I find certain diamonds that have been, you know, get added to my books. Yeah. And it's so true because the clarity that you need to be able to produce the quality book comes in the writing and in the trying out and testing and getting the ideas out of your mind and into that document where they can, you know, be examined. Yeah. I remember reading um, the book called On Writing by Stephen King. Yes. Great book. So good. Right. So good. (laughs) He's telling stories in the beginning that are just these remarkable vignettes from his own life. Mm-hmm. He concludes with that horrific accent, but throughout he shares these little tips. And one of the common themes I heard is just write. You know, how many stories he wrote that got thrown in the trash. Yeah. The other thing I remember is try to avoid adverbs too. Yes. <laughs> I know. Every time I write something with an L-Y at the end, I'm like, what am I doing? Stephen would kill me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right? No, I, I often, when I'm working on one of my clients' pieces, I'll be like, Adverb abuse, dial back. <laughs> adverb abuse. I love that. <laughs> and the thing that I really remember too from his experience as a novelist was that that how he collected those pink slips and that he kept sticking them on the nail and sticking them on the nail and yeah, use that as motivation. Yeah, okay. fascinating. It's fascinating. I think that's the way any of us will get a breakthrough. I do know that profit first would have never happened if I didn't write toilet paper entrepreneur and surge and all my other books. Like to me, being an author is a little bit what I assume a rock band is like, like you got to write songs and uh, not all the songs are going to make it to the radio. But if you keep writing songs, the possibility of one being a hit is there. And the bands probably love all their songs equally. It's what the consumer likes. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this, once you have that hit book or hit song, you better start performing that. Like, you know, when the Eagles show up and perform a concert, they better do Hotel California. Like, <laughs> right. you know, you know, so when, when I present, if I'm not talking about profit first, I'm jeopardizing what my clients, my readers want to hear. So I don't get tired of it because I know they're never going to get tired of it. Yeah, that's so true. And it really is. And you still can talk about your other books, but you have to at least honor yeah. it. You have to bring that into the company. You got to honor what they honor. Yeah, that's fantastic. Wow. So you just burned through my questions. Yeah. uh, We're so efficient, Mike. I love it. Yeah. That's another part of writing. Be efficient. So what other words of wisdom do you have for our, because, you know, we were mostly, our listeners are mostly doing nonfiction work as well. I would argue, I think it's the most important tip is that, Writing a great book, well, and by the way, I don't know if I write great books. I just know it's great when the consumers confirm it's great by buying it repeatedly. I do everything I can to make it a great book, but the consumer decides that. But writing a great book is the tip of the iceberg. And I think that's what's confusing for so many authors that I thought when I wrote a great book, like the world will discover it, you know, build it and they will come. And they they didn't come. My mother didn't come. So I, 
I came to realize that authorship is not writing. Otherwise, we'd just be called writers. Authorship is owning a concept, being an advocate, which means promotion. We have a responsibility to market. Actually, I'm just releasing a new book this September. And I remember my first book, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. It was such a flop out of the gate. I met with an internet marketer type person, an internet guru. His name is Yannick Silver. Oh, sure. You know, okay. Oh, yeah. Really nice man. Yeah, very great. All right. Very nice guy. He invited me down to his house. And I said, listen, I know you don't know me from Adam. And he was kind enough to invite me down and spend some time with him. I said, I'm really struggling to sell. And he looked at me, he goes, well, tell me about what you're trying to sell. I told him it's a book. He goes, let me ask you, is your book better? Do you feel it's better than the alternative books that are out there currently? I said, yeah, in many ways it is. I said, this is my life's work. I've consolidated, I made it more simple. Yes, I believe it's better. He goes, do you feel if a reader buys someone else's book as opposed to yours book, it's a disservice that they're being compromised in some way because they didn't get your book? I said, absolutely. And he looks at me right in the eye and he goes, he goes, then you have a goddamn responsibility to market the hell out of your book. Mm. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. If we do something that's of significant, that we're truly proudful and that truly can serve people, we have a damned responsibility to market it relentlessly. This is not a time to be bashful because if you are, the client, the reader is not going to get it. It may be their problem, but it's our fault. Yeah, so brilliant. That's when I got the chutzpah to really start marketing. I, uh, I went gorilla. I'll give you one tip. And uh, I challenge anyone listening in to do this. I strongly suspect it still works. But even though I've told hundreds of people this, I question how many people have even tried it. I had 20,000 bucks. So I had it in my own inventory. Talk about urgency though. I love it. <laughs> oh, panic. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was panic. Like I needed, <laughs> that was cash sitting on, I literally saw that as money sitting on my shelf. I got to sell this. Right. And I couldn't afford 20,000 books. It was just like, these are going to sell. <laughs> so what I did was I called some of my friends and said, would you be willing to take a stack of books, like 40 books and go to the local Barnes and Nobles in your area? We saturated the tri-state area. There's about 40 Barnes and Nobles in the New York area where I am, huh. myself included. What I did, my friends helped me with, we would go into a Barnes and Noble with a stack of like five books and put them in our backpack and then stack it on the shelf. <gasps> Yeah. I, it's like the reverse of stealing. It was the reverse of stealing. So true story. We put it in there. And here's my hope was that if the book was there, that someone would try to buy the book. And right. if someone tried to buy the book, I don't know what happened, but I know there'd be a problem. And I want a problem because then the conversation of the problem is around my book. Right. Right. Sure enough. And this is a hundred percent true story. After doing this a few weeks later, I get, I'll never forget the phone rings and it says Barnes and Nobles on it, like headquarters type thing. And my hands like shaking. I'm like, oh <laughs> shit. And I answer the phone and I say, hello. And they go, is this uh, Mike McCallow? It's well, they bastardized my last name. Is it Mike? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is Mike. They said, I'll never forget her voice. She goes, uh, we have a little problem. And I'm like, uh, well, yeah. She goes, we have customers trying to buy your book, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, but we don't carry it. And I'm like, she goes, do you understand like how we'd have this? I'm like, I, I, have, no, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Why? Totally. Why? And she goes, well, here's what we need. She goes, we need 3,000 units in our stores immediately. Who's the distributor that's sending this? And I said, what's a distributor? <laughs> and she goes, um, okay, she goes, we will assign you a distributor immediately. Can you ship these books if we get you someone tomorrow? 
And I said, yes. And they gave me a distributor. They sent a semi to my house, the distributor. They picked up a skid of books, like 3000 books, a lot of books. Actually, there's a couple of skids of books. And within four weeks, it was at every Barnes and Nobles. And there was another author named Gary Vaynerchuk who was releasing a book called Crush It, this black book with a green cover. And it was on end cap right when you walked in the store. And next to it was The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, my book. I I couldn't believe it. They gave you an end cap? They gave me an end cap. I don't know. Publishers pay for that, Mike. Publishers pay for it. (laughs) Robin, my book comparatively exploded in sales. Hundreds and hundreds of books started moving every week, which for me was a huge deal. Hundreds, like three, 400 up through Barnes and Nobles. Amazon, because there's a book scan, starts measuring it. They start ordering more books for advantage. And I can see the trajectory right there jump. Wow. It wasn't the only strategy, but it was one of the highly effective ones. I encourage okay. people to do well, stuff like that, to do right. stuff that gets you noticed. So just a couple of weeks ago on my blog, now I have to revise my blog, Mike. Thanks a lot because of this. <laughs> just a couple of weeks ago, I did a post on why your self-published book will never be in bookstores. <laughs> well, so here's the funny thing. I'll tell you kind of the front story, the prologue to that. I called Barnes and Nobles once I started self-publishing and I said, they have a small business department. I said, I'd like to have my book at your stores. And the woman actually started laughing. She's <laughs> She goes, you're self-published, right? I'm saying, yeah. She's like, we don't, we don't. <laughs> Which they do, obviously, in unique right. circumstances. Yes. And I don't know if the, our pursuit should be a bookstore. Mm-hmm. For me, the 800-pound gorilla still is Amazon. There's a new thing called bookshop.org that's starting to get a little bit of momentum. There's bulk buyers that are you know, starting to play. But Amazon is still it. Yeah. I still devote a lot of time. Every single week, I'm spending a few hours just investigating how's Amazon working this week and how can I leverage it to my advantage? Yeah. So that gorilla tactic is not alone on um, Barnes and Nobles. And actually, I'll give you a tip just before we wrap things up here. I noticed that authors, like there's some popular authors like Malcolm Gladwell. And if you go to David Goliath, it's one of his books. If you go to the Amazon and you scroll through his page, you'll notice there's one section that says videos about this book. It's a blank space. So I was like, oh my gosh, I can review other authors' books right here in the space with my own books positioned behind me. I'm not marketing my books. I just say, hey, my name's Mike. Here's, I want to tell you about David Goliath and why I think this is a great book. And I review it. So now, in true, you can look at many business books. You'll see my own videos up there. It's a tactic to honestly and integrally review a book I like, but also my books are probably positioned behind me as a curiosity element. It may move more books. It's hard to measure that. Right. But I'll tell you this, authors like Malcolm Gladwell and so forth, they look at their own page. Sure. Chances are, and I had other authors call me say, oh my God, thank you for reviewing my book. It's a great way to build connections to other authors too. And, you know, I bet you, because video obviously, you know, stands out more, pulls people in more. And that's such a brilliant tactic. I love that idea. Yeah. It worked wonders for me. And I'm constantly doing stuff like that. Networking with other authors in your space that way is really huge. Yeah, you can do a collaborative effort. I mean, there's so many things we can do. The one thing that we're not permitted to do is just stand back and think the book will sell itself. Right. Yeah, be your biggest advocate. You know, and what is it about that fantasy, right? (laughs) Everyone has that phase of that fantasy of like my book 
is going to be found and sell a hundred thousand. Everyone has that, you know, and it's but you know, like, it's kind of like uh, the entrepreneurial successes. You see the cover of the magazine, like Sarah Blakely spanks, you know, she right. cut pantyhose in her dorm room and now she's a billionaire. That's all I have to do. Yeah. But first of all, she's kind of the lottery winner. Most entrepreneurial journeys are not like that. Second of all, she hustled and did a lot of work to make that a reality. We just hear the vignettes. And I think in the author space, you hear, you know, JK Rowling, she got rejected by 40 people that she called, but the 41st picked her and now she's a billionaire. No, there's a lot more than that. And I think we only hear little tidbits of the story and think that we can have the same trajectory. It's unlikely. You got to work your tail off. That is a terrific thought to leave our listeners with. I believe. So thank you again for sharing all your great wisdom with us today. Oh, it's been my joy. Thanks for having me. And go authors. Authors rule. Woo! Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.